Welcome to Hidden Voices with Emma and Francisca. Hello, this is a podcast where we are making this platform available to our own personal voices and those of our future guests to talk about a subject we both feel very passionate about, diversity, equality and inclusion. My name is Emma Lewis and I have had a very successful career in the pharmaceutical research industry. But for the past three or three and a half years or so, I have worked with Francisca on global diversity and inclusion initiatives. I'm Francisca Veloso, DNI Director and Founder of Global Inclusion Studio. I am an MBA and Fellow CIPD, Qualified Global HR Professional, with more than 20 years human resources and diversity, equality and inclusion expertise. And with me today, we've got Anita Matu. Anita helps people who are hiding or holding back, but really yearn to express themselves fully and authentically in their business and or personal lives without fear of discrimination or shame. Having 30 years of experience helping clients get clear on their needs, goals and desires, making changes in their lives and helping them create the courage to be fearless. Anita's focus isn't just on supporting you to reach your desired outcomes, but also creating a transformation way that supports your sustainable growth and long-term results. Being a mindset coach, mentor, dyslexia coach, podcaster, YouTuber, author, and speaker. Anita didn't find out she was dyslexic until she was 35 years old. Following this discovery, the story of how she was able to unlock the creativity she'd been gifted with both for herself and to inspire others to create the courage to be fearless is both powerful and inspirational. But it wasn't always like that. Anita lived her early life thinking there was something wrong with her. She knew she wasn't unintelligent, but just didn't seem to be able to grasp the basics. Despite trying hard, she flunked all her exams and left school with no qualifications and no self-esteem, all because no one picked up on the fact that she was dyslexic. Once she made the brave decision to go to college as a mature student and her dyslexia was at last diagnosed, she went on to pass all her exams, going on to achieve further qualifications in human physiology and health, nutrition, anatomy and physiology. Finding her true path in life, she then qualified as a personal performance coach, youth impact coach, NLP master practitioner, mentor, mindset coach, counselling practitioner, dyslexia coach, author and speaker, so she could follow her passion, coaching others on how to use the creativity they are blessed with to forge ahead and be the best they can be. Anita has been working with people as a coach for the past 30 years. It was a natural progression to specialise in an area about which she knows and understands so much, totally identifying with the problems and trauma it can cause, as well as knowing the positive power and potential talents the mindset produces. It's where Anita can contribute most fully to changing the lives of people today. People can dream big, but often they don't believe it can happen for them. Yet all they need is the power and magical transformational work that her programme, Create the Courage to be Fearless, can bring. So welcome, Anita. Thank you very much, Emma and Francesca. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. That's great. Thank you so much, Anita. And, you know, we just have a brief opportunity to uh, to meet earlier. Um, 
and I have had also the opportunity in preparation for our call to have a look at your website uh, in addition to the conversations mm-hmm. I have with Emma about about you. So, um, you know, I, I, it was actually fascinating reading through, you know, the story and, and what you have shared there, which is very personal. And I think that makes you quite unique as well on, on what you are offering because you are, you know, uh, putting yourself out there as you are, uh, as well as challenging us as well, our, our own perception, which I think is, is important. So again, as I must say, welcome <laughs> to our Hidden Voices podcast. Um, it's lovely to have you here. Um, so if I start with the first question today, um, so because you alluded earlier when we have a, a quick chat about education, you know, in the context of family and so forth. So can you start telling us about the listeners in particular, what a school was like for you? Well, in a nutshell, I hated it. Basically, oh, it was so awful that I struggled every day. I hated going to school. Like the other children, I just didn't grasp it. Nothing excited me about it. I found it too hard. I couldn't read properly and I hated the reading lessons because in my day at school, the book gets passed around or we've each got a copy of a book in English lessons and I used to dread when it was my turn to read out aloud. Now, I don't know if anybody can relate to this. Um, I can't tell you we had to do it. I'd be high on anxiety I'd be stressed out it'd be head down please don't pick me don't please don't pick me please don't pick me and the teacher would pick me as randomly as we are and I'd read or try and read a few lines and it was torture absolutely torture (laughs) I hated it Um, it's because I just I didn't grasp it and then my the things I did like and I was good at was on the sports field in the classroom, mm-hmm. forget it. It's not happening. And it wasn't a case of trying hard. I tried so hard, especially my last year. I mean, I learned, I used to like playing, obviously, as a child, we do, learning through play. But when it comes to the academic side of it, I there was something missing. But at that time, I didn't know something was missing. I just felt, I can't do this. I'm not as good as everyone else. I don't know why. I wanted to be invisible please don't pick me don't ask me any questions I would never put my hand up in class to answer any questions I just in a way wanted to be invisible yeah but on the sports (laughs) yes on the sports field everybody picked me in their team I was a fast runner it was great that's where I excelled if I could only understand how I could take some of that passion and put it into the classroom, that I really would have done. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that mm. teachers or the educational institutions, because that's what is their job and they're meant to be experts, should have no pick up on that? The fact that you were struggling, but where you are very good in another things. Um, I don't know, I'm just curious, especially, you know, linking into the next question uh, and the introduction that Emma did, that you actually were not diagnosed until much later in life. Do you think that that should have been done back then? And how was so late, you know, diagnosed? 
Uh, to be honest, um, in the 80s, 70s, late 70s, when I was at school, it wasn't actually really known about dyslexia. I mm -hmm. The teachers did pick up there was something missing and I was sent um, to special reading classes, um, special needs classes. And there was a group of us. We all hated being there. We used to just chat. There wasn't really much learning to be had there. Mm -hmm. And so they knew something wasn't right. But whether they realized it was dyslexia, no, they never. That wasn't picked up at all. No. And neither your family or, you know, anyone around you, you know, or even yourself. Obviously, you probably were asking yourself questions, but you didn't know. You know, you, you just thought that it was something wrong with you, right? <laughs> Yes, I just thought that I just wasn't good in the classroom. And in a way, I don't think it really... I know I wasn't good, but I had a passion for photography. That was my aim, colour picture. I mean, it all makes sense now. And <laughs> I love, you know, I love taking photographs, video camera from a young age. And therefore, I had this passion that I'd have a world where I escaped almost. So I don't like think it, was it just really safe. affected yeah. me. Yes. And my family were fine. They wanted me to be happy. As long as I was happy, they were fine with that. So it really didn't make much of a difference, especially coming from a family of medics. And obviously they've done all their exams and highly intelligent. And there was me. But that was my <laughs> passion academic. at that stage. Yeah, I didn't even realize that, you know, something was really wrong or why was I not so, understanding? So your siblings, Anita, your siblings went off and, and did they become nurses? Is that, do I recall correctly? And and you, but you, yeah. so how many yeah. siblings do you have? Yeah. I'm the youngest of nine. Nine. Oh, wow. So any of the other nine have any problems at all at school or? Yes, my brother that was older than me. So, yeah, we weren't particularly that brilliant at school but that was okay our parents accepted oh. it the family accepted it so when you left school did you pursue photography yes what happened was I realized in my last year like this is my final year I better knuckle down and do my exams and pass them and it was a real challenging <laughs> year because otherwise I was thinking well what have I got to show for my school career nothing otherwise I really knuckled down I tried as hard as I could and I still failed all my exams. The thing is, I work methodically in a slower, at a slower pace. That was the thing. Exactly. Because they never understood or they never acknowledged my dyslexia. I didn't get extra time. Yeah. I didn't even finish any of my exams. And being dyslexic. Yeah, because you didn't work even that extra time. Yes, yeah, exactly. And being dyslexic, unfortunately, give me a multiple choice and I'll make a scenario because we're very creative about every answer they give me. <laughs> it's multi multiple choice is the worst thing you can give to a dyslexic person because we're so creative. We can think, actually, you could do that. And we're great at pro problem solving. So we'll solve the problem. <laughs> We'll come up with an answer <laughs> when really they're not asking for that. You just put one down that they've given you. So, it, you know, it's interesting exactly. the way the dyslexic mind actually works. It's fascinating. It's brilliant. And and you have we have been alluding as well about, you know, that that's what's going on for a long time and, you know, about 
that you are diagnosed quite late, you know, after you have passed, you know, those exams and all of that. When did you actually realize that dyslexia may have been impacting, you know, the way you are learning and and, and then go into being diagnosed? How that happened or, you know, it happened naturally or to just uh, uh, on purpose, they realize that, okay, hold on a second. I think I may be dyslexia or, or it may be something here that they need to be diagnosed. Yes, what happened was I went on to, um, it was when I was bringing up my children and they would get into the stages of eight and 10 in their life and I just could not help them with their homework anymore. Uh-huh. And in that moment, like, I just felt I failed as a parent. I can't even help my children with their homework. And no person, no parent wants to feel they fail their children. So it was in that moment I decided I have to face my biggest fear and go back to college and get an education. And that was the turning point. And I was 35 years old. (laughs) I went into college and it took a lot of strength and courage believe you me to go back to the and place say, Hold on a where i hated it <laughs> yeah exactly. so i went to college very brave i did some it was the english teacher i just did some general um classes at that stage it was just to get some i wasn't even doing any exams at that stage it was general um english maths improvement classes and in the english improvement mm-hmm. class we had to do an hours of free flow writing. Now I was thinking, what mm-hmm. am I going to write about? Because my challenge is if I can't spell something, I never write about what I want. I had to write about something that I could spell. And that was the challenge. Oh, if that. I could spell the words, right, let me just write about that. Cause at least I had to spell it. So it's getting towards the end of the hour. And I was thinking, I haven't written anything. I've got to write something. So I wrote something down, a lot of scribbling out, it didn't make sense and I handed it in straight away the teacher said to me oh I think you're dyslexic we'll put you through for a dyslexia test and I was thinking wow oh wow so what is dyslexia tell me more you know I want to know more and then I was diagnosed I was dyslexic and my entire world opened up I researched everything I wanted to know what it is and basically within that time frame so I've learned that all I do is I learn differently I'm a visual learner I need to be able to find ways that work for me I may be slower but the thing is here if I read something I read it slower but nine times out of ten I'll take it all in I'll absorb it the first time around if not the second so it you know definitely just understanding how my mind works as an individual, as being a dyslexic person, was the key. And that teacher... Exactly. And did did they give it a breakdown, Anita? Did they tell yes. you how it affects you? Or was it just, oh, you're dyslexic? But do you understand how your brain works differently? Yes, my reading age was, um, I think, of someone that was probably a seven-year-old, my spelling age, and was probably not that dissimilar and bearing in mind I was 35 at the time so that was and it was like putting things into place that understanding I'm more visual I like to see things someone explaining to me and talking to me I don't always understand it because I don't 
absorb it. My actual dyslexia is um, phonological sound dyslexia. So I don't actually hear always all the sounds. So it's best for me to see things. So that was the interesting key point here. The type of dyslexia I had as well. Once I understood that, I mean, like I said, I researched everything. I want to know. And I don't see it as being something that's wrong with me. Okay, so I just think differently. I just learn differently. And I embraced it with both hands and ran with it. It was, you know, brilliant understanding. Okay, finally, the missing part was actually... Make it making sense, it's like clicking, and and then you could understand why certain things in your own way. And I guess, yes. probably, as you said at the very beginning, it totally changed <laughs> everything. Dharma has been a revolution yeah. <laughs> in a way, yeah, definitely. Must have given you so much confidence, Anita, to finally realize that actually it's it's not me that's you know struggling, it's just that I work differently. I am I am clever. I knew I was clever. <laughs> I knew I know I've got it there. I just didn't know how to express it in a way that matched with what education expected of me. Absolutely. And that's the thing. Like being dyslexic, mm-hmm. our IQ is above average. There's nothing being stupid about that's being right. dyslexic. We're actually more intelligent. It's just ex- like you said, Emma, to express it in a way that we understand that makes sense to us. Absolutely. It was like brilliant. It was a revolution, <laughs> definitely, that, okay, I can do this. You know, I just need to find ways that work. And were you able to explain that to your, to your family? Because you mentioned about, okay, the motivation was to be able to help yeah. them <laughs> with this pulling. So were you able to say, actually, yes, I can do this, but it's in a different way yes definitely (laughs) because then I went on to sit my core subjects English math science um, at the age of 35 with 16 year olds I was the agony aunt um, and I was thinking don't tell me these things I've got children (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it was brilliant and that my children supported me and it was brilliant yeah they said yeah go for it so I did evening classes and it was brilliant. Never looked back. Best thing do your I've children have any difficulties with their learning at all, Anita? No, they don't. Yeah. So they've all, all all didn't struggle at all and were able to complete their schooling successfully. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So you know, since finding out about your dyslexia, you have, as you said, studied for many different qualifications, and you've also gone on to develop your own business as a as a coach and a mentor, an NLP practitioner. How have you had to adapt your studying techniques to work with your dyslexia successfully? It's a case of making sure the time frame I've got, I think it's all about the time, doing it methodically in my own time. Don't be rushed. And being dyslexic, being under pressure is just a no-no. It doesn't work for us. It's, I mean, for me personally, I feel if I'm rushed or I feel under pressure, I mean, most people probably think this, but being dyslexic, you have to have more time. Allow yourself more time. Think about what you're doing. Plan it out. I personally like a quiet space. I know even my children used to say that you work in silence. We like the music on in the background. I said, no, I need to be able to concentrate. (laughs) So it's finding things that work for me and 
sometimes things don't work find out what doesn't work as well it's not always about you know doing what's right do some things that just try things find out how it works for you have you ever used any technology or any sort of software or do you find it easier working on the computer or handwriting a bit of both I'm kind of old-fashioned in that I like to make notes um, but I do do a lot of um, vision like mind mapping that's my go-to if I'm taking notes I will do landscape uh, mind mapping and it works for me because that way I can actually clearly see the picture I mean I can write lots and lots of notes and it won't make sense to me because half the time if I'm still struggling at that time to make a note with spelling I struggle so I'll draw draw something or at least write the key words that would be better for me so mind mapping I use a lot of mind mapping even now to this day when I take notes I mind map so paper and pen landscape plain piece of paper is my go-to I am better at the computer I use a Mac system it's more dyslexic friendly I don't know if people are aware of that and no, I didn't know that. I have got Dragon Dictate, but to be honest, it I had my Dragon Dictate a number of years back. There's probably better versions now. That version wasn't that brilliant because I had to go over and like most things. If they don't actually understand the speech, the spellings are atrocious anyway. So I was doing double the work. That's one of the things. It takes us longer anyway I don't want to be doing something that's supposed to make my life easier and it doesn't so Mm. I stick to paper and pen I'm getting better all the time obviously I run my own business now I've got to a certain level but every day sometimes it can be a challenge and I just have to work over and work out how it works best for me if I'm learning anything with the website or anything I watch YouTube's is my go-to being visual i can watch something pause it implement it go back see things like that you can't do that in a classroom with a teacher you can't tell us to go oh can you just no. pause here a moment <laughs> um <laughs> you know so it's things like that so it's really fantastic in that respect that i can actually you know there is so much technology out there you just have to find a way that works for you so even within the broad spectrum of dyslexia, different things work for different people. And it's about trying different types of technology or different techniques to help yourself. Yes. Whatever works for you and not just because I think, you know, I was, the next question I was going to ask you about um, what organizations can do to support their employees. And I think it's very easy for organizations to think, oh, dyslexia, right, we'll give you this software or that software. Mm. And actually, that might not work for that person is what you're saying, that actually there needs to be like a tailored approach dependent on what that person's specific needs are. Yes, definitely. One approach doesn't fit all, for sure. It's finding out, have to take the time to speak to people find out what their needs are and I think for the dyslexic person don't be scared in asking for help I mean I had to learn that the hard way I was hiding I didn't ask for a lot of help and then until I realized actually at the age of 35 I'm I'm dyslexic I read my first book that actually there's nothing wrong with me it's just I learn differently it's embracing the skill you have speak up don't hide behind it there's nothing to be ashamed about it but there is still so much stigma to this day and I think that 
though there is more in the workplace, I still think there isn't enough, if I'm honest. To, yeah, I mean, my experience is I think I've had one person in my 27 year career um, disclose that they have dyslexia mm-hmm. and need some additional support with the, the role that they were doing. So there clearly is still a barrier there to people disclosing their dyslexia. And, and have you found that with your coaching work with the people that you that you work with who are dyslexic, who you've been supporting? Do they talk about stigma? Yes, they do. It's not as much, especially for my clients. I mean, I had one lady, she was in her 70s, and up till then, she's never read. She was a cook all her life, so she she managed to get on. She goes, in my time, nobody knew about dyslexia. All I'd like to do is read a recipe. I can cook. That's not an issue. But I'd like to read a recipe and make it. So I helped her do that. And it is, she said, people don't understand it even now at her age. And I was thinking, yeah, though there is a lot more out there, people still don't understand it. And it's not about being stupid. If you think about it, 49% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. You've really? got Richard Branson. You've got Lord Sugar, just to name a few. A lot of actors are dyslexic. Kira Knightley, Orlando Bloom. And then hairdressers are usually dyslexic because they can see the crea- creation in their head, in their mind, before they've actually cut the hair. Because can you imagine if hairdressers weren't um, creative what our head look like <laughs> I know it's funny isn't it because I look at some people's jobs and I think I could never do that yeah. and then when you realize that actually people's brains don't work the same as yours because I think growing up you just assume everybody's brain works the same ways as yours does and then when you have that light bulb moment and realize that people's brains work in different ways you realize why someone else can do something so effortlessly yes. which you find so difficult but you know I think we've all got some talent and like you were saying you know you've got talent in photography in creativity you know there are lots of areas where you have lots of talent um, that are away from reading a book although being able to read a book is also quite nice yeah I mean do you, do you listen to audiobooks I guess you don't if you if you struggle with audio processing you it's, it's yeah. not helpful is it to listen to an audiobook um I prefer because I'm very visual I like to see the words uh, the best real uh, the best way to take it in for a dyslexia would be to see it and hear it but for me personally, I like to read. And to be honest, I read all the time now. I would rather Dude. read something than watch the television. I've got so many books and I never thought I'd be at this stage where, oh, can't wait to get a new book and read it. Um, that would would have been my worst nightmare at school. Yeah. And, and if you've really found a love for it, yeah. is it something you look forward to? Do you get a pleasure from it? Absolutely. I love knowledge. And actually, I've done a few years back. I've done some a couple of speed reading courses and oh, I would gosh I would say because that was my first question can dyslexic people do speed reading and the lady goes of course they can so my speed reading went up by I think it was about 30 percent the first time around and then I did it again and I would say I'm probably not as fast as some people but at least I've improved my own skills and it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant. I, I'm so impressed that you've taken something that was so challenging for you and really faced it head on because it's so easy mm. when things are difficult to choose to do something else instead. But you've just absolutely tackled it head on. And not only that, you've gone on to keep improving in that area of your life. 
Uh, I love it. I love reading. I love knowledge. I think being a coach, the amount of coursework we have to do, we've got to keep up our coaching and our training. It's brilliant. I love it. I love the work I do in helping people shine, the, you know, creating the courage for them. And I just want to ask you, Anita, if you could be listened to, really heard, what would you want people to know about you? I've been through many challenges, traumas, but I've come out the other end. It's possible for anyone to deal with it. Get the help you need. Put it in place. Don't be ashamed of asking for help. Don't be ashamed of your in whether it's imperfect if you think you're imperfect or whether you think you've got discrimination you're ashamed you've got secrets just don't hide behind anything get out there and be the true authentic self you are embrace who you are and love every part of it we're all different we're all beautiful human beings embrace who you are i think is the message don't see it as oh i'm not good enough or i can't do this give it a go really embrace who you are and be proud of who you are oh that's wonderful and I can see that you know by taking that attitude you have really opened your life up in in, in, a, in a huge way and you've achieved so many things by by having that positive attitude and that positive mindset despite as you said you know having had quite a lot of trauma through your life you've 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 been mm. able to really make a success of things and uh, I just want to ask finally, as we come to the end, is where can our listeners find you? So if they're interested in getting some coaching with you or exploring their dyslexia or finding the courage to be fearless, where can they find you? So they can go to my website and that's anitamatu.com and that's A-N-I-T-A-M-A-T-T-U.com. And once you go to the website, all of my links are there. So from there, it's the easiest way to join me on all my social media platforms. I have a podcast, Create the Courage to be Fearless. And that is on all the podcast platforms. So the website is the best place to connect with me. I do a call, a free call. If anybody like to connect, let's have a call. Let's have a conversation and let's see where I can help you. Fantastic. And I've listened to some of your podcasts and you have had some brilliant guests on your podcast, some really interesting stories, some fantastic people. So, yeah, I would absolutely encourage people to go and listen to Anita's podcast because they are absolutely fabulous. And uh, uh, thank you so much, Anita, for joining myself and Francisca today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I, I'm going to go now and create the courage to be fearless myself, I think, and take on something new. You've really inspired me. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. And thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you both for having me on today. Thank you, Emma. Oh, you're welcome, Anita. You've been listening to Hidden Voices with Emma and Francisca, and we look forward to sharing our next podcast with you very soon. Mm-hmm.